this is just a smidge more with Brandy Henson. I'm Holly Stillings, and this is Everything You Want to Know Without an Appointment. This is a weekly podcast where medical profession and real life collide. All right, we have some very special guests here today. Thanks for joining us. We have Dr. Travis Henson and Dr. Michelle Mori, emergency board certified physicians here with us today, and two of my personal great friends and Brandy's husband. Better half? No, I don't know about better half. Half? Yes. Okay. Travis, are you okay with that? Yeah. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> He's so easy. Uh. <laughs> and one of my best friends, our best friends, Michelle Mori, who is here with us today. Um, and we just wanted to get them in our in our uh, podcast and talk a little bit about emergency medicine and all the crazy things that go on there. Um, my husband is an emergency medicine physician as well, and I know through the years we're always asked at dinners and kids' birthday parties and all kinds of crazy. What's you know what a crazy life, what a crazy job you chose, and what the heck, what what's wrong with people, and why do they do such weird things to themselves? <laughs> <laughs> I think we. We ask ourselves that every day, right? Every yes. day. Yes. Every day. Yes. Yeah. So why don't you guys tell us a little bit about where you went to school, how long you've been practicing, and uh, and and how do you like being an emergency physician? It's yeah. a big question. Michelle, you go first. <laughs> sure, that's a huge question. It is. Well, I think my journey to emergency medicine, you can't speak about it without speaking about my husband, Danny, because he was a big influence on that. Um, I met Danny when we were 18. He went to play football at the University of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so I moved from California, California girl to Oklahoma, stayed out there, did my undergrad, and then he got into law school. So I decided, why not? I should just go to medical school. It was that much of a decision, uh, very quick. So I did two years of Uh, medical school at Oklahoma State. And then he wanted to practice uh, law up in San Francisco. So he moved there and I followed him up there. And I did my last two years of medical school at Toro University, which is very unheard of. Transferring medical schools is something you never hear about. Um, And then I came down here to Southern California to do residency at Arrowhead Regional. And this time I brought Danny with me. So I chased him around. (laughs) Yes, Danny got to come. Danny got to come. Yes, he had no choice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great field. I love it. Every day is something new when I walk into the department. Um, I've been practicing now for 10 plus years. That's crazy. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yes. And Michelle uh, went to residency with my husband. And so we've known them a very long time um, and seen their lives change and their families grow. And and the thing that I've seen about you, Michelle, in your career, um, watching from the outside is what an influence you have been on young women coming up in the emergency physician world and uh, you guys do uh, mentoring um, through your hospital and residency and what do you what would you say out there to women that are thinking about going into this field I see you work nights and then you're taking kids to practices and uh, and what would you have to say to these women out there that are thinking about going into emergency medicine I think it is definitely a great field for women, and it's something you should consider. It is super flexible. So like Holly was saying, I do work night shift. I do um, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. So I'm... (laughs) Horrible. (laughs) Horrible. (laughs) I'm zombie mom half the time, but with that, I do get to be at every breakfast, and I get to have dinner with my kids and take them to practices, and I don't miss anything. 
Um, and the flexibility is definitely something that is great, great for women. I met Michelle in the ER. You yeah. did? I was working in the ER and I met her. What were you doing? I was working. Botox? No, I was seeing patients <laughs> in the kidding. ER. I also met Michelle in the ER. You did. That is did true. Yeah. Yeah. I yes. thought you were so nice. So great. Yeah. yeah. I was working part-time at a hospital where she was working. Oh and my gosh. I came in. I was like, who's this new doc? Who's so, this new doc? Who's this new doc? And then I learned to learn to love and like her for as our friend and, and as a great ER doc. So Aww, great. you guys are so kind. She's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And so Travis, tell us a little bit about your your story, if you will. My journey. Being, number one, being married to Brandy. Should oh, we wow. talk about How long that is first? this podcast? <laughs> should hey. we talk about that first or last? I don't know if we you should talk what? about we'll that at all. We'll do a different episode. Yeah. It's, it's so good. That's going to be a long episode. Anyone out there listening, if you're around Brandy and Travis for about 15 minutes, it's a comedy show. It really is. It's hilarious. It's mostly me. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Super humble, too. Their, their reactions kind. together are hilarious. Anyways, we'll... we'll we make a good team. That's, that's for another you podcast. You make a great team, but that's for another podcast. <laughs> that would be a great podcast. Would, I'd listen to that podcast, too. I'm writing that down. Or <laughs> I'm writing that down. You, you or a reality know. show, one of the two. Yeah, that's dangerous. <laughs> All right, Trav. So you are super successful. You're you're uh, director of this facility here, Reverse Gravity. You're one of the reasons why we're here today. And you're a director um, of an emergency room, which is a huge, huge job. Um, and I, I don't know, does anyone want that job? It's pretty hard. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that anyone else wants it. That's why I have it, maybe. <laughs> I know I don't want you it. You have a, mo- a monopoly then, right? Absolutely. Okay, so tell us a little bit about your your story. Where'd you went to school? How long you've been practicing? I went to college in Kansas, and then I needed to get out of Kansas, so I went to medical school in Georgia. Okay. And I was at Emory University for um, four years, uh, and loved my time in Atlanta. And then, you know, I'm a California boy, uh-huh. so I you were to, born and raised here, right? Born and raised in San Bernardino. Uh huh. Yeah. So. Um, go Del Rosa. Go Del Rosa <laughs> and Del Vallejo. <laughs> Uh, so, I, you know, I wanted to make my way back to California, so I applied to a bunch of schools out here, and I did my residency at UC Irvine, and that's where Brandy and I met. She was... Uh, met in the ER, and I was working in the ER then, were. too. Not doing Botox. No, not no. doing no, Botox. Darn. I found myself suddenly ordering a bunch of EKGs and... Just kidding, because I wanted her to, yeah. to... Actually, I had to ask him out, but we'll talk about that on our okay, podcast. Okay, that's, that's another... That's This is my journey. Darn, okay, okay My sorry. journey. Okay, sorry. I'm part of this journey. Uh, so, you know, Michelle didn't talk a lot about this because it's, you know, whenever you go to medical school, you don't have much time to figure out what you, your specialty is going to be. I, I originally wanted to be a surgeon. Oh, and, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, and, oh, then okay. I, and then I went into wanting to be a cardiologist, and then I was like, no, 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 I'm going to work in the ICU. And then working in the ICU, I spent a lot of time in the ER and doing central lines and doing some other procedural things. And so my friend was like, maybe ER, what do you think? And mm-hmm. so I switched my rotation. My next month was ER medicine. And I was like, this is, this is for me. Hmm. So um, ER is, for me, it's been a great field. Um, I, I, I think that everybody goes through times where you're doing your work and you're like, man, is this for me? Is this not for me? Did I make the right choices? But you know, 18 years out of residency and I can say like, I can't think of anything else that I want to do. Wow. That's great. That's awesome. So what do you guys think about like the mental toll it takes on you to be an ER doctor? Do hospitals have the proper mental 
health structure to help you with, you know, you have a hard day, somebody dies. I mean, this is the reality of the, of, of life as an ER doctor. Do you get the support that you need? I'm very fortunate where I work. We actually have a psychologist who comes down to the ER whenever um, big things happen, mm-hmm. especially, you know, a child gets hit by a car or, or something very traumatic that happens. Um, and they're there for the staff. Um, you know, it's, it's a difficult job where, you know, you see, um, you don't see people on their best day, right? You mm-hmm. see people on their worst day. Right. Every day in the ER, it's somebody's worst day. And so, um, you know, from abdominal pain to back pain to, you know, heart attacks and strokes, it's, it's all the above. And then somebody dies and it's like, wow, what do I do now? I yeah. Go, I, I go back to work. And so over time, you have to learn how to sort of keep on doing the good thing you're doing and still like, I guess, stuff the rest down. Sure. So the psychologist helps with that. And then you have to like go home and go to a baseball game or go pick up milk or I don't know what, just do normal life things, right? And then you get home to your family and they're like, okay, well, what's wrong with you? Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, you definitely have to learn to compartmentalize uh-huh. um, and leave everything at work. You can't bring it home to your, your family. How long did it take you to learn how to do that? They are do a very good job, I think, teaching you in residency how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, what do they teach you? Like, how do they tell you to do that? Well, Pick up the next chart. Keep going. Here's your paycheck. (laughs) Uh, I try to do a lot of debriefing with my residents and my my staff, especially Mm -hmm. if we have a a very critical case or, like you said, a child's death, um, where we talk about what could have been done uh, to change and then talk about feelings. And we always give a moment of silence for the patient as Mm -hmm. well um, and their family. And I think doing that offers us closure at that moment and allows us to move on and see other patients. And sure. It's just what we have to do. Sure. We do that as well, a moment of silence. And I, I don't know if Michelle agrees with me on this or maybe things are better when you did your training, but man, I feel like we're getting a lot better at doing that. Like when I was in training, I don't remember ever having a moment of silence mm-hmm. or ever having a debrief. And Michelle's right. We do a similar thing where we say like, you know, how did we do? Yeah. Did we do good as a team? Could have we done things better? You know, were we... Um, were we yelling out orders or, or did, was, did everybody kind of have a job to do and, and how does everybody feel about what we did and, and what happened here? So right. that's not, that's kind of a newer phenomenon. I think in medicine, we didn't used to talk about our feelings. Wow. wow. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. You have the, like the little, you guys probably like the little chart with just the happy face, the semi happy feeling. The how are you feeling chart? Yeah. Right. That's what it was. Scale of one that's to 10. It. <laughs> Scale of one to 10. It's, it's a 12. It's a 12. <laughs> Which we hate by the way. <laughs> It's always a 12. It's always a 12. It's always a 12. There's a few things you don't want to say when you come to the ER to see your ER doctor. One is I Googled it and my pain level is a 20 out of a 10. That wasn't the scale. Uh Um, There's some others, I think. Uh So I don't know if Michelle has any, but. Michelle, what's the one thing we shouldn't say to you if we saw you? And we never want to see you. I I mean, I'd be more than happy to take Uh. care of anybody. Um. I would say the one thing you talk about being a female in medicine, I get all the time is I have a whole patient interaction and then they go to be discharged and they tell the nurse they've never seen a doctor. Oh, no. And I get that. Yes. I get that because I'm a female. I I truly think that's the reason. They just assume that I am not the physician because I am a female. 
So I get that too, but it's because I look so young. It is yeah. true. Well, Trav, you know. <laughs> JK. That's so crazy though. Okay. Do you wear the white coat or do you not wear the white coat? I don't wear the white coat. The Does white coat is, I don't style. think any ER doctor no. wears Some the white coat do. anymore. I don't yeah, think so anymore. Do. Does Joel wear a white coat? No, absolutely okay. not. I mean, well, you can barely cool get him ER to wear. doctors don't wear white coats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I was just thinking like, you know, prestige or whatever, but I mean, they would know that you're, you introduce yourself as Dr. Maury. That's crazy. Every time. Crazy. Yep. Wow. Hello, I'm Dr. Maury is my go-to line, but no. Wow. I think a lot of times in the ER, they don't hear what you say. Uh-huh. Well, you know, I tell people, you know, about their results. I tell them where to follow up. And then they tell the nurse, well, he didn't tell me anything. Right. Like, what's going on with me? And I'm like, I just left their bedside. I, what's happening? Right. And your guys' job really got put to the test through COVID. I mean, that was such a nightmare. I mean, for for anyone in medicine, anyone in the ER, I mean, what a crazy, crazy time to be an ER physician. And you come through it. Um, things are getting back to normal. And I mean, they're really, you know, people don't really, aren't so scared of COVID anymore, you know, but. Oh, yeah. I called Michelle during COVID to see if I needed Trav to move out to the casita. <laughs> <laughs> was that before COVID? Be honest. No, okay. it wasn't. No, but I feel like Michelle is just so like cool, calm and collected. Mm-hmm. And it was scary when COVID first, yeah. like the pandemic first started because nobody knew what it was. No, I right. mean, it was, and you know, I even told Trav, you picked the wrong specialty. Like this is not, you know, and we were both this working in not the fun. No, it's So are you not. saying that Michelle literally kept me out of the doghouse? She did. I you did. can thank her for you that. Told me. Too. Mm-hmm. My husband too. I remember us having this conversation and we had a mutual friend who, they moved out to the casita and it was like oh my yeah, gosh like it, it was scary you're seeing doctors like intense in their garage yeah yeah no we didn't go Joel that was far like, but i am not doing that if i would have seen danny leaving the house or michelle saying he should go he is a goner he like, was out to the casita. <laughs> it definitely was a scary time though i mean it was. Thing, you talk about mental health i i saw a lot of physicians and students and nurses really struggle during that time because you're walking into areas, you're you're walking into an unknown. And at that point, we did not know. Right. And a lot of sick patients, so. Right. So a really big topic right now is fentanyl overdoses. And I know we've had conversations. We have young kids. We all do. Um, and we've had we've had to have conversations with our kids. Like, you know, if there's a friend at school who gives you candy, you're not allowed to eat that candy anymore. Um, you know, it's a Tic Tac. It's a chewy sweet tart, whatever it is. Like, you don't take that from a friend, anybody at school. And I'm drilling down to the real, like, you know, kind of the minutia of, of this, but like what, what's going on in the ER and what, what would you tell people out there about fentanyl overdoses and how it's affecting our society right now? Oh, I think fentanyl is a very uh, serious, we're going to call it an, an epidemic now in our society. I would say on a nightly shift, I see at least two or three fentanyl overdoses in my emergency department. And do they die or do, are they able to come back from it? Most of the time they're able to come back. Usually they're with somebody. Um, Narcan is the reversal agent. A lot of people have it on their person now. Mm -hmm. We prescribe it through our emergency department now. And a lot of schools have it on hand now too, right? Which they should. Mm -hmm. Um, And if not, the paramedics get there pretty quick enough to give them the Narcan. But no, I have had young people die because of fentanyl overdoses. Mm-hmm. And it's extremely sad. And it is something that, that we shouldn't have, be having to deal with you know, as parents and just members of the community. 
What a lot of people don't realize is that at least fentanyl overdoses often are not people that are using fentanyl. I mean, sometimes it is, mm-hmm. but it's the people that are using cocaine or, mm-hmm. or meth or they've gotten the same marijuana from the same guy all these years and suddenly they're unconscious. And so these things are being either laced or cut with or, you know, fentanyl and it's extremely potent. And, and so they come in just like bewildered. You, you know, you wake them up with Narcan and they're like, what happened? Mm-hmm. Like, well, you know, did you do some fentanyl or did you do some morphine or heroin? No, no, no. I just did my normal weed. Really? Yeah. I didn't know it was a marijuana too. Well, if somebody gives you a, a blunt or something that's, that's laced mm-hmm. with that and just takes a tiny little bit yeah. in your mouth or breathing it and uh, you can be out. That's so crazy. Yeah. So what do you guys tell your kids? Like, I mean, am I, are we having the right conversations? Cause I know I've talked a lot about it with my friends and you know, we're, we're kind of all saying the same thing, but is that a realistic thing to, what is the realistic conversation to have with your kids at home? Oh, hundred percent. It's, it's out there. You need to let them know that these drugs are out there and that they, anything that they can take can be laced with it mm-hmm. and that it could kill them. I would be very straightforward with them uh, on, on the risks of it. I, you know, I have a, a kid who's just completed his first year of college and he is very aware that these drugs are out there and I just, just hope they make good decisions as they go through it. You know, I just worked, you know, we work, you know, in the ER and you work these festivals and these concerts and you get people who say that all the time. Just said, Oh, I just, tried something or, mm-hmm. you know, they're handed something and they take it and they're young and it, it's just a bad decision. And they come in and they need the reversal agent to wake them up, but, you know, wait 10 minutes and they're, they're not going to wake up. And will they have long-term effects from that afterwards or do they, or do they wake up and walk out? Really depends. I mean, if it depends on how long they're not breathing, mm-hmm. your, your brain can't go without oxygen for very long. So, you know, if you're right in front of someone and you go down and they give you Narcan and you wake up, no big deal. There's no any you know long term effects from that. It's just how long was your brain without oxygen? Right. So, going back to like the care of our personal families, what would you say people should have at home? Like, what is in our home kit? for our family life like what you know we have we probably should have more than what we do with my husband being our ER doctor but you know we have like I don't know like stuff for stitches but what should more what should normal people have at their home what would you recommend well I think normal Tylenol Motrin you need to have Benadryl Zyrtec is this (laughs) we've got we've got an amazing emergency kit at home we travel with it too I got everything what's in your guys's amazing emergency kit oh there's everything well like what because I think I need I think ours is short we have what's in ours lots of Zofran we have an EpiPen I have probably every kind of antibiotic you could take really I have Motrin, Tylenol, Zyrtec, Benadryl. How do you Day get quill, it? And they, and you, they don't say anything when you check your bag and it's like full of stuff. No, they don't ask. I mean, her, her I, bag full yeah. stuff. Yeah, no, no, no. Kennedy, Harper, Travis, his bags are full of stuff, and we have no room for underwear because the woman's carrying a Zofran. So don't but you know what? Underwear at, you know what? You don't need underwear on vacation. No, no. just an EpiPen. Vacation. Right? You might with an need an EpiPen. No, but here's the thing: he gets so mad at me, and the girls make fun of me, but. Who, who do they come to? Mm-hmm. They have their stomach hurts, or they yeah. have diarrhea, or they need a Pepto or a Pepsid. Yeah, I got it. I got, yeah. I've got the goods. You yeah. got the goods. Mm-hmm. So, what are the top things that stay in your mind as the funniest thing that has happened to you as an ER doctor? 
Well, I, I mean, I don't know where to start, but the funniest thing. So we, we do see a lot of rectal form bodies and those can be entertaining. We actually take guesses on what's going to be in the rectum before we pull them oh, out. Really? We do. Uh, sometimes we can get a quick x-ray. It gives us an idea. Do people ever just tell you, they're just like, you know what? It's a cucumber or sometimes, sometimes they're too embarrassed. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I've pulled uh, a vibrating toothbrush out, <laughs> uh, a racquetball. Oh, yeah. yeah. interesting. A beer glass. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> what, what else? Was it a mug or did it have a handle <laughs> it on it? did not have a handle on it. That would have been a definitely a step up. Um, zucchinis and cucumbers. I'm trying to think what I else. mean, they were lucky you were able to get it out because at a certain point you don't get it out and you go to surgery. That is true. Mm-hmm. That is very what true. What about you, Trav? I think... Uh, I- as Michelle said, the rectal foreign bodies, the vaginal foreign bodies, the other foreign bodies. <laughs> um, the, I think those are the, the interesting things people just don't think about. In the mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but every day can be interesting. I don't know. We don't see a lot of funny stuff, really, honestly. I mean, some things are kind of like, well, that's weird. But um, probably holiday weekends. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I always notice Michelle's working on the holiday weekends. I'm like, oh, I'm like, is Michelle off? Nope, she's working. That is true. <laughs> so, what's your favorite story? Like, if you had to pick one, and I know there's tons out there, but, or maybe not, but <laughs> what's your favorite story that you're just like, I literally can't believe I'm living this life right now? Well, I can tell you that happens almost on a nightly basis. You, you realize I do work night shifts <laughs> yeah, and a lot of Friday, true. Saturday, Sunday night shifts. People so. nut out at night. Yes, they nut out at night. Nothing good happens after midnight. <laughs> Let's just my leave dad that would here. always say that. Yes. He would always say your, your curfew's at midnight because nothing good happens after midnight. Yeah, and it's true. true. It is. Too Same true. with my kids, mm-hmm. you know. Um, a real old story that's a classic that actually Holly Joel loves this story. Um, I was working a night shift and a gentleman came in and he was a uh, warehouse worker. So he was out doing his job, decided to come home early and surprise his girlfriend at the time. I think you might have heard this story too. It's very old. And his but girlfriend favorite. So this is one of my favorites. for the favorite. So he walks in to his apartment and his wife or girlfriend at the time was in there with three other men and oh. they were all in. <laughs> <laughs> they they were very much Travis, enjoying each other. Three other men. Three other men. Not construction workers. Not construction okay, workers. Right. And and <laughs> so uh, this poor kid comes in and uh, you know confronts his girlfriend and the three other gentlemen that were in his house and so they get upset with him for interrupting them. I don't know if I have heard this yes. story. And so Maybe I forgot about it. The poor guy comes in as a trauma patient after they threw him off the second story balcony. Oh, I do remember this story. Yes. So I'm in with him and talking to him. He's very upset and I'm, you know, he has a broken arm, so I'm setting his and arm. He's alive. Oh, he's alive. Yes. After being thrown off of a second story window. And everything he's been through that night. He it's is still alive. alive. It's a bad day. <laughs> it's a bad That's day. A bad you know what? Anytime we think we're having a bad day, we need to remember this story. Exactly. That we're not getting thrown out of second story windows. And, yeah, like we didn't live as bad as day as this guy That's did, true. right? You have that to have true. some perspective yeah. in life. <laughs> Good perspective. <laughs> so he's, I, I'm bandaging him up, whatever, so in his lacerations and talking to him and he keeps saying that he's going to find these guys and kill them. And I'm uh-huh. going to kind of, oh my gosh. Well, you can't say that. Yeah. So at first I, I 
said, okay, it's just because he's upset and angry, but he was adamant, adamant to a point where we got other people involved and he ended up on a 5150 mental health hold for that night. Dang. So that was the worst night of his And you his can't life blame ever. the guy. I mean, who no, else? You can't. Everyone would say that, no, right? You can't. You and can't like, you them. do have to call the cops? Yes. Okay. We to call the cops. How do you get thrown off of a second story window and survive that? Did they throw him into plants? I think there was plants. <laughs> on grass. Trash? 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 Trash. I mean, what is it? That's a tough blow. Yeah, it's a tough blow. I mean, that's incredible. I know. And he wasn't drunk. He was not drunk. Because, I mean, when people are drunk, they, you know. Bounce. They bounce. They're bouncers. (laughs) You know? They survive. Right. But but yes, that's a classic from residency that will stick with me through my career. Forever. Forever. Do you still see his face in your head? I don't. I don't remember what he looks like. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I did my heart breaks. You know what? All that mental health work they're doing at the hospital, it's working. It is. you don't remember his face, that's right? True. So that's good. All right, Trav, what about you? <laughs> He's over oh here smiling, gosh. just waiting. Come on. I didn't know this question was coming. Wow. She's, she will throw some questions that's at what you That's what keeps it interesting. I mean, we're talking 20 years of seeing patients. Um, well. We could go back to when you met Brandy. Let's not do that. <laughs> Let me That's talk about the best a patient. day of his life. That's what are you talking ju- about? Let's go back to the juicy stuff. <laughs> you can uh, choose. You can either answer this question so or Brandy question. He's going to take the safe question. I know he is. <laughs> I feel safe right now. Oh, good. Good. Okay, good. good. Yeah. Um, I was maybe less than a year, a year out of residency, and I'm working by myself middle of the night. There's a bunch of nurses, but no other doctors or PAs or anybody else. To I know help. that story. Here to say. And um, we get a phone call from the medics, and they say, "We've got something for you. We're gonna need a bed, but we're not telling you what it is." <laughs> Why not? Are they allowed it's to a do surprise. that? Surprise! Yeah. Oh, just wait. Really? I know what I know what story this is. So they bring the patient in, and um, he's he's got a sheet over him. And the story is that he decided to pee into a bottle. (laughs) And somehow the thing got stuck in there. His penis expanded and got stuck. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what what I feel like. That's another bad day. And always another very, very bad day. The interesting thing about how he peed into this bottle is that his penis was going out of the bottle, not into it. Wait, what? (laughs) What? What? Yeah. So if you were to cut a bottle and put it against your skin and yeah. pull something through it, that's what it was doing. Oh my God. That's terrible. <laughs> so ne- I don't know if it's needless to say, but I'm going to say needless to say. I'd never How does that s- not hurt? I think, like, it, I think it does. <laughs> I mean, I'm I, pretty sure he was embarrassed. Was he cut- on something like medicated? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> All I had was the project at hand. Wow. That, <laughs> that was a project. <laughs> so I'd never taking care of something like that before. So I had to get kind of creative. Wow. Yeah. What did you do? Um, I used a ring cutter. Okay. To cut the, um, so I'm all, I'm thinking of this on the fly at two o'clock in the morning Uh with nobody to ask questions to, right? I'm just out of residency. Like you were getting ready to go have a snack or something (laughs) or like, you know. I'm an ER doctor. I was not ready to get a snack. snack I was ready to go see it. They don't get snacks. You know what? I'm going to have my water break now. (laughs) They don't get water breaks either. Yeah. So instead I have to figure out this situation. So the interesting thing about those plastic bottles, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but they're very strong ring. So you actually can't cut one side. You have to cut two in order to get it off. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. The story gets better. And the interesting thing about a, a penis that's constricted is that it, it can't urinate. So whenever you pull the bottle off, they just pee on you. 
But wasn't he yeah, trying to you pee just, in the bottle? No, it was cut. No, but the guy was trying to pee. That was his story, right? He was it's, trying to pee in the it's bottle. It's the same as slipping so in the shower. Was working yeah. for him. No, like he tried to pee in the bottle. It didn't work. He tried to pee in the bottle and yet instead put his penis through the bottle, <laughs> out, out of it. <laughs> yeah, and then peed all over Travis. Oh my! <laughs> stop it. Yeah, that is disgusting. Yeah. Yep. We you get, know, they're like, you know what? I would like my paycheck right now, please. <laughs> we get Probably peed on and pooped on and spit on. Yeah. Mm. Right here. Just write it out. <laughs> I'll take that home with me. Questioning his spe- specialty yeah. choice. Yeah. Life choices. <laughs> yeah. Two in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. See, wow. nothing good happens after midnight. No, it really doesn't. It doesn't. Although I think a lot of this happened before midnight, but that's fine. Well, whatever. <laughs> I wasn't there. Whatever. I mean, there is a there is a long line of stories from my husband too. That people always they're falling. They're you know they fell on a bottle. They fell on a cucumber. They fell on, on a hairbrush. On a hairbrush. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you're fine. You're talking about EMS calling you. My best uh, call on the line was the paramedics called to say that there was a plant growing out of a lady's vagina, and that's what she was what? coming in for. Yes, a plant. What? A plant. You've got problems. If you've got a plant grown out of well, your vagina, was it really growing? It was, and like so it had growth. Like she had it in there long <laughs> enough to where it's grown. Because I planted yeah. garden recently. Okay, yes, but in a garden box. Wait, I, in a garden it's a different box. box. Sorry. No, not my box. In a garden, a garden box. box. A garden box. Oh, you know, of your house <laughs> in, in the backyard of my house, and it is exciting to watch plants grow. I'm yes. not kidding. Like I love it. I'm like, it's two inches today. Like it's grown like six inches I'm not kidding well this was definitely growing <laughs> and uh, what she decided to do she there was an old wives tale that if you put a piece of potato in your vagina when you have a yeast infection it helps with the healing and treatment so she did that forgot the potato there and the potato sprouted what and was growing okay she forgot the potato how do you yes. forget something but well, here's the moral of the this story don't put things in your vagina that shouldn't be no, there. No, no. Fruits, vegetables, <laughs> soil. Did she put garden soil in there? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's so crazy. Super crazy. I had a patient put yogurt in there because their doctor said, have some yogurt. Yeah. Let's not use food. Can no. we not use the no home yeah. remedies, just, no food? Well, you know, like, a lot of people, homeopathic medicine, right? I no, mean, you no. know, that's the what they, no. you know. And have you ever had somebody store their money there? Oh, yes. Okay. Definitely. Why? So the cops won't find it? Yeah. Yeah. But you find it. Do you get to keep the money if you find it? Um, no. <laughs> you don't want to keep that money. <laughs> I did have somebody try to tip me the other night, though. In the oh, yeah. That's nice. <laughs> That's so nice. Isn't that nice? It really is. It's a nice gesture. <laughs> You're like, no, I'm okay. I'm good. Wait, Thank what you am know. I doing wrong? Nobody's tried to <laughs> tip me. No one's ever tried to tip Joel yeah. either. Yeah. I don't get any Christmas gifts. I don't get you know any. why? Because Michelle is friendlier than you guys are. Yeah. More than likely. Yeah. yeah. She's prettier too. She is. She has such yeah. nice hair. <laughs> <laughs> she just looks friendly and yes. just inviting. <laughs> So all joking aside, um, what are the top five symptoms that someone would want to come to the ER for? Like, what is a legit ER visit? I mean, I guess they're all legit, but what but is But a it? lot of people go to the ER for a lot of things, you know? Like, in our family, we don't go to the ER unless an eyeball fell out on somebody <laughs> or, like, a bone is showing. And at that, Travis will say you'll be fine. Yeah, and I mean, we might just call Travis or Michelle to come over and fix it in the garage or something. <laughs> so, you know, what normal people, why would you go to the ER? What's the... 
What's the top five or yeah. just top things? I mean, I, th- I the things that, that bother me are, are, are sometimes people sit at home with their stroke or their heart attack. Yeah. Um, and they're just like, you know, especially the older folks that are just like, you know, I'll be fine. Like it's just indigestion in my chest for the last eight hours and I'm vomiting and sweating and, mm-hmm. you know, um, you got to be careful, you know, when, when, a, when a limb doesn't work right or you can't speak, um, get to a hospital, you know, a lot of these things can be, um, can be fixed, um, readily, you know, our cardiologists and our neural neurologists do a great job now of fixing strokes and heart attacks and stenting. And so to me, like those are the ones that where I see the biggest opportunity where people just sit on it. Cause they're like, eh, couldn't be me. Yeah. So chest pain, um, stroke like symptoms, abdominal pain that doesn't go away, especially if your belly's tender when you're pressing on it. Um, how long for ab- abdominal pain would you say? That's a tough question. Um, I think it depends on the severity of the pain and, and really like, I mean, if you can't walk or move with your pain, mm-hmm. you probably should come to the ER. If you can't press on your belly without wincing, um, that, that can be a problem too. And the older you are, the more likely you are to have real abdominal pathology. So younger folks um, have less abdominal pathology than older people. They have it overall less pathology, right? Yeah. So. Well, and I would encourage anybody who feels that they need to come to the ER, come to the emergency department. I'm here. I would love to see you. Um, don't be upset. Be patient, I guess, is my, my big thing, is we are triaging patients. And so if we feel that your complaint isn't as serious as the person who's coming in who's having the heart attack or a stroke or, or a trauma, you're going to wait. But when we do see you, we're giving it everything. And so if we're looking at you or your child who has a fever and we're saying everything looks okay, you're okay to go home, give them Tylenol Motrin, that's what we're doing. We're giving you our professional opinion. And and I do want you to come in for that. And if it's just that reassurance, don't hesitate. I mean, we're here for you. That's that's our job. We love our job. So come in, let us see you, let us evaluate you. And just as a public service announcement sort of plug, I think... Um, just know, I, I know a lot of ER doctors since I am an ER doctor. And I can tell you that by and large, um, your ER doctors are good folks. They want to see you quickly. If you're, if you're waiting, it's because we're, we're busy. It's because we've got other patients to see. You know, we're mandated by law to see every patient who comes through our doors. And, um, and we do it happily. We do it um, sometimes without a name sometimes without insurance or driver's Mm -hmm. license or anything. Everyone can be seen. Everyone can and and should be seen. And so, you know, even folks who don't have anywhere else to go, they come to the ER. And Mm -hmm. so um, just be patient with us and and, uh, we'll do our best. I think that's a good point you bring up, Travis, because I know for my parents, it's like, you know, even with Joel being an ER doctor, it's they literally have sat at home. Uh, You know, my dad, he had a stroke a couple years ago and he did not, my brother made him go into the ER. He was just so sick and he felt horrible. And he probably, if thank God my brother went over there or else he probably wouldn't have gone in. And I, I think there is a mentality like I'm fine, I'm fine. But I think the older you get, you really, you need to go in. It's just, it's, it's just easier. Call an ambulance, get to the ER. Anyone can be seen and that's what I tell my parents now. Like, don't, don't question it. Just go, you know? I always liken it to a vehicle. You know, if you have a 10 year old car, you're more likely to break down than if you have a brand new one. Mm-hmm. And so, and the seriousness of it is probably, you know, right. you elevated scale one to 10, it's 12. And uh, 12. so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as we start to get older, we just start to break down. Yeah. Well, so, and using I mean, that same uh, analogy with the car, 
something will happen at home, you'll bring, the patient will come to the ER and then it won't be happening in the ER, just like the car, right? They they say, oh, my car's I making this sound. And then you bring it to the mechanic and it's not making that sound anymore. So, I mean, that happens too. It is kind of crazy sometimes what our minds can do to our body. You know, yeah. that it, it's so wild how sometimes you can manifest like things that are happening in your mind and then it's in your body. And then people are, like you said earlier, Travis, like I Googled it. I don't know. The one thing Joel always tells people is like, don't Google it. So I was just going to say <laughs> that like it just... It, magnifies things so much. I had someone just two days ago call me about their lab results. And this person is actually in the medical field, freaking out about a very minor thing. And it's like, you're going to be, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I promise. Yeah. We'll get that rechecked again. But, um, and Brandy always makes fun of me because I always tell people you'll be fine. That's the standard answer. Do you say that too, Michelle? I do. You'll be fine. Yeah. Just so you know, as an ER doctor, when you say the word sick, you mean someone's dying Mm -hmm. in front of you. Versus not sick is like, oh, I got time, mm-hmm. right? I can order some labs. I can get some CTs. I can get a surgeon involved. I can. So you're either sick or not sick. And if you're not sick, you'll be fine. Yeah. And that's how we look at things. Yeah. I always think there's, I'm like, if I, anything's wrong, I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm dying. Oh yeah, this me is too. It. <laughs> this is what travel lives with. <laughs> this is it. Joel's like, you're okay. You're okay. I'm like, I don't, this is it. This is the one. Well, I'm think about okay. our poor kids. If a limb's oh, not yeah. falling off, yeah. we're, they're, oh, fine. God, they're fine. They're fine. Our poor children. <laughs> our poor children. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. It's so true. I know. They're going to be very tough though. They are. They are. Mm-hmm. Or so. have a lot of complaints. <laughs> or either. Yeah, I know. Like it's going to be one way or the other. So us. you guys are so awesome. Thanks for taking the time today. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.